0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon, Spotify. It's all over the place, wherever you get your podcast, It'd be really cool, though, if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get it. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. The Twitter is myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com. Where i'll post videos and stuff any questions thoughts recommendations feel free to email me at josh at and i'll get back to you in a timely fashion unless you go into the spam folder then it might take a little longer montreal sketch Fest begins this week on thursday night with a week and a half full of shows featuring friends of the podcast like milwaukee erica gellert unstoppable failure best of friends cam wiley tita collective joy provision Marvin Berry, Craig Sorge, so many fun shows. I've said it before, I'm jealous I'm not heading to Montreal. Check out MontrealSketchFest.com and follow along with them on Instagram at Montreal Today's guest is Annika Hundel, currently a member of Bring Your Own Juice, a sketch team from McGill University in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Bring Your Own Juice will be performing at Montreal Sketchfest's open night along with Third Husband's Cheap Wine, Dreamboat and Milwaukee on Thursday, May 5th at 8 p.m. at Theater St. Catherine. Tickets and all the other information that you might need to know are available at montrealsketchfest.com. Annika's first sketch is called Creation Court. Annika reads the role of Kevin Fish, a defendant in the case for his immortal soul. Annika also reads the smaller role of the bailiff, Janem Galker reads as lucifer ben marp reads as god i read saint peter and give you the visual information full transparency jay and ben's roles were read during a sketchy a few days after annika and i recorded our chat it was more work editing for me but frankly if i didn't tell you i don't think you would have noticed so let's go to creation court Into your day courtroom, we're in a large courtroom set up traditionally. Kevin Fish, seated in his chair before the court, suddenly opens his eyes. He blinks in confusion and looks around. Lucifer, a woman in a juicy track suit and fanny pack and socks and Crocs, sits on the left side of the courtroom. She's slouched and rolling a joint. God, a man in khakis and a tucked in, nightly pressed collared shirt sitting perfectly straight sits at the right side. They are sitting on opposing sides like lawyers.
1: All rise for the honorable St. Peter.
0: Kevin looks confused and gets to his feet as Lucifer and God do as well. Peter, a man wearing traditional judge robes, enters and sits down at the judge's chair.
1: You may not be seated.
0: Lucifer and God sit. Kevin is still looking around in a daze, but follows suit. Let's try to keep this one civil, you two. I will if she does. Bite me, asswipe. Peter sighs, but continues. He's used to this. Today, the court of purgatory will hear the case of Kevin Fish's mortal soul versus creation. Is that correct? Lucifer and God nod and mutter their agreement. Kevin is slightly agitated.
1: I'm sorry, what? Where am I? I thought this was small claims court.
2: Lucifer, you have the floor.
1: I'm sorry, the devil?
2: Look, man, I prefer Lucifer.
1: Oh, sorry. Did I offend you, Satan?
2: Cool it with the slurs. Not cool, dude. Peter bangs his gavel.
0: Or in the court, please. Lucifer, you may proceed. Heavenly Father, if you do not control your client, I will have him ejected from the courtroom. Kevin whirls around to stare at God, who is nodding politely at Peter. God? God nods slightly.
1: Oh my God, I'm sorry. I took money from the collection bin that one time at church. Oh, oh my God, I said that thing about Filipinos. That was a joke. Oh, fuck. Did I just take the Lord's name in vain? Fuck. I said fuck too.
2: <clears throat> Lucifer shoots a pointed look at Kevin. Thank you, Your Honor. May I present to you? Kevin Fish. As you know, Kevin is one of the few mortal souls whose life was so completely and utterly average that the system failed to decide between heaven and hell. Harsh. Hence, we are here today to present our arguments as to where he should be placed. I open, as per usual, with a review of all the hell-worthy buzzwords Mr. Fish used throughout his lifetime. What, like swear words and stuff? (laughs) Oh no, far worse. I mean, I'm the ruler of the underworld and make a living out of torturing the mortal souls of humans for all of eternity. And even I feel vaguely uncomfortable saying some of these words. What? What did I say that was that bad? Brony was used 27 times. I might remind you that is 12 times more than the heaven-wide average. Sausage party was used 19 times. Chode was used 61 times. Dank meme was used 203 times and Ah, Fiddlesticks, was used a whopping 14,982 times. Not to mention, of course, he ran a successful TikTok account and had a kettle and a toaster in his college dorm, even though he knew it was against the rules. He fucking knew! All right, enough for now. Heavenly Father, present your arguments. My fellow counselor, Honorable Peter, Kevin. Kiss ass. It is my belief that the soul of Kevin Fish belongs in heaven. Though his life was riddled with difficulties and disappointments, he looked out for his fellow man and kept his head down, despite the hardship of losing his grandmother and primary caretaker at the age of 12. Oh, yeah, Doris. She says hi, by the way. His good and kind spirit was unbroken. He did community service. (laughs) Yeah, court mandated. He worked selflessly at a local school in Guatemala. Because he had to flee America after losing six grand in a backroom poker game at a strip club in Nebraska. Also, he set foot in Nebraska, and that's got to be a sin somehow. And might I add, he never yelled at a service employee who was just doing their job. He did his part and subscribed to PewDiePie. And of course, he never attended a sketch comedy show.
0: Peter Lucifer and God and Kevin looked to the audience for a moment and then back in. All right. Thank you for your arguments. I will now deliberate. Turns to Kevin. This may take a while. Good thing I brought snacks. Lucifer pulls out a container of Tide Pods and a Ziploc bag of loose razor blades.
2: No black jelly beans and lukewarm tap water today? (laughs) Nah, the missus has me on a new diet, low carb. (laughs) You know how women can be. I wouldn't know. I have yet to know a woman, biblically speaking fucking virgin peter re-enters i have reached a decision
1: you decided my eternal fate in like 30 seconds
0: time passes differently
2: in purgatory. that was 84 human years face it peter i own this guy's ass god's argument doesn't hold a candle to mine our father who art in heaven more like our father who fart in heaven tough crowd that one would have killed in the seventh circle i mean Granted, that's probably because it's reserved for people who say punny, ironically, but still.
0: Quiet. I've reached a decision. God, do you have anything to say on behalf of your client before I reveal my judgment? God shakes his head. Very well. I, St. Peter, find the defendant. He's interrupted by Kevin getting to his feet.
1: Okay, wait. I've sat here for the last few minutes, listening to these people, sorry, all powerful deities, discuss where I will spend my eternity in the afterlife. And I have to say something. This process is ridiculous. Shouldn't not stealing from people or not murdering people or not watching The Bachelor in Paradise be reason enough to not be condemned to eternal torture? Sure, I wasn't the best guy. I've made my fair share of mistakes. I cheated on the SATs. I sold my hamster because I didn't like cleaning out its cage. I occasionally monopolized the discussion in my freshman political science class. I told my stepsister that white wasn't her color.
2: That, that doesn't sound so bad. Let the record show that it was her wedding day
1: really dude you're telling me you never made a single mistake in your whole life
2: i'm literally
1: god my point is sure i'm not the model of a perfect human being but i did my best and i never did anything outwardly evil so forgive me but i don't think my track record should put me in hell alongside the likes of margaret thatcher or the zodiac killer
0: a moment of silence as kevin
2: sits back down the zodiac killer is still alive isn't he yeah he's a senator in texas I feel like you guys are both really missing the point. Come on, Kev. You clearly belong with me. Hell's not such a bad place, you know? I think after a couple millennia, you'd honestly get acclimated. I know George H.W. is settling in nicely.
1: It's hell. I don't belong there. I'm not like those people.
2: Those people aren't so different from you. Once you get to know them, I think you'd really like them. We make all the newbies play a few million rounds of uncomfortable icebreakers. You'll love it. Silence. The room silences. I have come to a decision. Lucifer,
0: you emerged as the obvious victor. Hell yeah! Lucifer starts flossing and dabbing.
2: Get ready for a whole lot more of this, Kevin.
0: You didn't let me finish. You emerged as the obvious victor at the beginning. But after hearing Kevin's argument, I have come to a new conclusion. Since neither heaven nor hell seem appropriate for a soul, quite so. Average.
1: Thanks a lot, Pete.
0: I have decided Kevin shall be the first soul ever to remain forever in limbo. Beat of silence as this sinks in. Limbo? Suddenly Lucifer, God, and Peter exit. The courtroom set is replaced quickly and out comes a banner reading limbo and two women holding a stick for Kevin to shimmy under. Hawaiian fiesta music plays in the background. No! Hey, Annika. Hi. Uh, all right. So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about Creation Court.
1: Uh, yeah. So uh, I wrote this sketch as an audition for my college sketch comedy group. Um, it did not get performed because it was not good. But I think basically like having now been on the other side, of the audition process and like further along and seeing how people do it and stuff like the the initial sketch is just kind of like a barrier to weed out anyone who's like really bad at comedy (laughs) um and then the actual yeah the actual audition is is like where you know the actual like i don't know process of of picking people comes in because um like that's a lot more applicable i think to to performance and stuff so So the sketches we can kind of work with but the 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 performance is it's got to be pretty good
0: so you think the performing is more like integral to The process of auditioning for your for your college group
1: yeah just because like I like everyone is kind of guaranteed one sketch in the show is how we usually do it but I mean we have some sketches that are stronger and some that aren't as strong but everyone acts in everything so like the we kind of have to have a pretty diverse portfolio of people in order to cover like all the sketches people are going to write because there's a lot of vastly vastly different sketches people write and a lot of different like roles people are suited for. So I think that's more important generally in, in this group.
0: That's interesting because I would always think that the writing would be more important and you could, and you could figure out the performing later.
1: I think, I mean, it really depends, I guess, on like who you ask. Cause I think both are pretty important, but like in, in this context, I think it's less important to be like writing specific good and more important just cause like we're all doing more acting than we are doing writing. So
0: and then I would think that, like, I mean, I don't know the numbers of people that are, you know, trying to audition every year for a college sketch team and how many people you cu- you carry as the group. But I would think that, like, on one hand, getting a, the submissions of the writing packet or however whatever sketches that you get as the audition, you just want to make sure that they're not, like, a-holes, racists, yeah. you know, like, that kind of stuff first. You, we That kind of stuff out of it. Yeah. then go into like quality first like
1: yeah I think what it is honestly is that like a lot of people who recruit are coming in in their freshman year of college they're 18 and they just came out of high school and most of them are like theater kids so they've never actually written anything before but they've done a lot of acting or like performing and stuff so um baseline like I hope none of them are listening but those sketches (laughs) are gonna be pretty bad like they're gonna (laughs) be like this one they're not gonna be good they're gonna be very long and like just packed full of weird references that no one understands um so i think we have to kind of give people a lot of leeway with that one otherwise we're just going to end up with like one person at the audition because no sketches were good
0: but at the same time i will say to all the people that are audition auditioning for bring your own juice next year everyone's first sketch is awful like yeah yeah don't worry about it they're all too long they're all with weird references that are going to be dated in 2 years like it's yeah. okay
1: exactly and that's i think that's why we have to give the, the like the leeway a little bit cuz like we know everyone's going to be kind of bad cuz we were all bad too
0: do you remember what this i where this idea came from like where did you get this idea of a dude in in purgatory
1: i like i don't remember but this is funny actually i was i um one of the girls who watched my audition i was talking to her like a couple of years after and she was like yeah like three or four people that year wrote god like heaven hell kind of inspired sketches or like at least christianity inspired or whatever and i was like oh, that's interesting." kind of weird i think it's because around the time i was writing the sketch the good place had just come out that so okay yeah yeah so that was kind of in everyone's minds I was like i don't know like it was it like it's kind of It was kind of like the the starting point for a direction for like a lot of the sitcoms that have come out recently. So like mm-hmm. it was like a new thing, but things have sort of followed that format since. But I think because it was so new, everyone was like, oh, like this is cool. Like let's explore this. And so hence you get Creation Court.
0: And if you think about it, like, or if you've heard about it, people that write spec scripts in Hollywood to try to get on to sitcoms always cater to that hot new show, like right away. Yeah. Like I'm sure that year, Everyone had a fake good place script, like so. That makes total sense. Uh, Another question I have. Yeah, I was ahead of the curve. (laughs) (laughs) Another question I have for you. Okay, you're at a Canadian college. Mm -hmm. Why are there so many American references in this?
1: Um. Oh, that's like a really good point. I think probably because like American culture is a lot more like dispersed. I guess i'm canadian so i don't even like i i just like i knew these references i don't think anyone from america would know these like level references about canada like he wouldn't know cruise of canada i mean he's from canada but whatever
0: right like, but like wouldn't know, yeah <laughs> that's true um mm-hmm. but if you're catering theoretically to a canadian audience
1: mm-hmm.
0: wouldn't the canadian reference
1: i i think it's like, okay, I, like well, i'm so, sure there's
0: some yeah Ugh, the premiere of Alberta might be awful or whatever, and fit that Ted yeah. Cruz, uh, you know, line just as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's because we're we're just like uh, McGill. First of all, has a lot of American students, so like I think at least, oh man, like like f- out of ten, there's ten people in our in our sketch I think like five are American. Oh geez. Um. So like it's a pretty it's a pretty even dispersal. Like a lot we're of we're
2: taking over. Are
1: Exactly. Like you're, you're all fleeing Trump (laughs) like you said you would. Here you are. Um, But yeah, so, so like, for that, like I think a lot of American people were actually watching and wouldn't have understood a lot of Canadian references. Also just like, by and large, like the stuff that happens in American culture and politics is way funnier than the stuff that happens (laughs) in Canadian politics. Like, I I mean, the last funny thing to happen with us is like Trudeau mispronounced LGBTQ and we lost our minds for like a week there. It's like, that's hysterical. Like Nothing that funny has ever happened in Canada. But that would happen. Like that happens on a daily
0: in the U.S. So, yeah, because I think what was it? There there There's another like. And the using the word scandal as an American Mm -hmm. talking about something in Canadian like politics, didn't like Trudeau like brush someone's hand away or something? like, like he, i don't like, even know it was something I have no idea. <laughs> it was something that like as an american felt so benign and like there were people are like oh he assaulted a fellow member of parliament blah, blah. i was like oh
1: yes 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 oh it was like like pushgate or something some, they were yeah, calling it something
0: like, it. That. Something and like and that i was yeah. like i'm like we've got congressmen that are actively being investigated for like child solicitation like
1: yeah
0: cool it canada like
1: yeah, no, we're we're like we're we're very well behaved in general. So I think like the bar for insanity is a lot lower. And also I mean it, it used to be a lot lower, I think, in America as well, but it's it's definitely been creeping up. So maybe maybe we're to follow and in five years I'll be like, why wasn't this more Canadian? Because Canadians <laughs> are crazy.
0: Um okay, so so you submit this sketch to audition to get into your college's sketch county team. Yeah. They accept you. Yes. What's the next process of, of the the, the county team? Like how often do does bring your and juice perform? Like what's the what's the run of a semester for the group?
1: Yeah. So in previous years, mostly um we had done like winter semester shows. Like we don't do anything during fall semester. I don't know why that was, but like that was just in place before I even got to the group. So that was just how it ran. Um so we usually ran one show per year in winter semester um like you're auditioning in january by the beginning of february everything is like everyone's in you're like writing um there's like a couple writing room meetings per week um for like the first couple weeks of february and then we do we usually do like a retreat in that time so we like go to a like it's, we call it a writing retreat we just mm. go get drunk get a cabin <laughs> so like we just drive to rural Quebec and
0: sounds and- fantastic it's great
1: yeah it's lovely um so we do that and then we finalize our scripts and then uh we cast them and then uh we start rehearsing we go to the venue we, we usually don't get into the venue like a week before the actual show so it's like crunch time there um and this year it was two days before our show went up that we got into the venue so that was that was a bit brutal but um uh yeah so that's that's usually the process and then we usually have our show like first week of April or the last week of March like right before people go into exams so we're we're, kind of scheduling it all around like the fact that we know a lot of people who are going to watch it are students at our at our university so like we schedule it around that um but yeah so this year um we had one because of COVID um like people, a bunch of people graduated uh, who were in the group who had initially run it. So a lot of us were like had never run it before, and we were running the group. And one of those people was graduating in fall semester, so we ended up doing it in fall. And we wanted to do another one, so we did it again in in winter. So this year we did two, but usually it's one.
0: How How was the the workload of basically doubling your output like of years past? Like,
1: I mean, it was honestly fine because like it, it's just it's the same thing just repeated like semesterly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like every year it ends up just being like during the two weeks where it's we're nearing the end of showtime. Like I just don't get any schoolwork done. So like <laughs> I had a friend ask me the other day, she's like, how do you balance it? Like how do you balance running, you know, the sketch comedy group and putting on a performance sure. and also doing school. I was like, I don't like I just I just do poorly in my classes for several weeks and then do a show.
0: Yeah it's one of those things that like you know uh With the college lifestyle where there are people that are so hooked into like their extracurricular whether it's like the newspaper or the radio station or something like where they spend so much more time on that than what you probably think they should be doing in your actual like scholastic work like yeah like the the colleges that have like a daily newspaper are mind-boggling to me like i think my college had like (laughs) every two weeks and even that felt like a lot of work
1: yeah i think i think it's a i think we have a weekly newspaper here we have like two competing ones um but it, it's funny because one of them is like the french the french newspaper and it's like it's it, it's just so it's like libertarian like okay. it, it's it's kind of a joke because everyone's like oh that's it's the worst paper you've ever read in your life um and the other one's like the official mcgill one. Okay. so they, they have like a kind of competition thing going but um yeah, I mean, I, I think also just because my degree has nothing to do with, like, writing or comedy, and I, like, kind of, I want to go into writing and comedy after I graduate college, so, I mean, um, like, for that reason, I'm going to be putting a lot more work into my extracurriculars, because they're actually, like, servicing my goals, but, I mean, you know, C's get degrees, so, here we are. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so, I, I don't know what order, I'm going to ask it this way. So if you want to pursue writing and comedy after you graduate, why didn't you choose Uh, a major that was writing or comedy? Or do I know the answer to this already? You
1: definitely do. Well, first of all, look at me. I mean, I'm Indian. My parents would never let me. (laughs) So... Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was the main reason. Yeah, they were like they were like if you want to get a degree in comedy, you can pay for it yourself. And I was like, okay, fair. Um, and I sort of I wanted the like I wanted to go to university. Like I, I knew I wanted that, and so, um, they were like, get your backup degree, like, and then if your whole comedy thing doesn't work out, at least you can go back, like, get a master's and then do the actual, like, be an actual,
0: <laughs> be a person, real a adult real person. Job
1: exactly yeah, yeah yeah and I was like okay sure so here I am one psychology degree later yeah okay. um oh it's psychology yeah, that's, that's not even it. like exactly right like, so I went to chemical engineering and <laughs> that's that what
0: I was thinking old. it was like oh I hope she's not doing something like awful like oh and it's no, funny because one, had... one of the guys in Toronto yeah. I just talked to has a degree in engineering and he worked as an engineer and hated every minute of it until he started doing yeah. stand-up and comedy so
1: yeah, I, I, I like, I think I would be fine being a like, counselor <laughs> or psychologist. I'd be, a, I'd be an okay therapist, like pretty bottom of the barrel stuff. But like, I just, it would be, I just wouldn't be enjoying it. I don't think. I'd be like, oh, what if I had just done comedy? So alas, here we are. All
0: right, so let's go back to the beginning. What were you into growing up? What was like your earliest memory of of comedy?
1: Uh, Russell Peters? Okay.
0: Do you know who Russell Peters is? I do know Russell. yeah, sure.
1: okay. I never know if Americans are going to know who Russell Peters is, but,
0: um, yeah, i I would say he's one of those how would I how should I describe him that makes sense and not minimize what he does? He's one of those comedians that is so hugely popular worldwide, mm-hmm. but maybe not necessarily as popular in America mm-hmm. but I also think that's because he hasn't done a sitcom he hasn't like he's legitimately yeah. well he's not a
1: Canadian sitcom
0: <laughs> okay well then that's why not he's good. not big in America it's but, not like, good yeah but like he's one of those perf- stand-ups that is a stand-up yeah and he just tours and tours and tours and he sells out everywhere he goes and depending on the city he can sell an arena versus a, a theater but like yeah he's huge
1: Mm-hmm. okay yeah like I, I truly have no concept of, of him outside of like Canadian-ness so I mean I have no idea but that that's good to know um but yeah my my parents were really into him like they went and saw him live on tour like this past year or something like they're still really into him and like I like they quote his bits all the time and <laughs> like like he has this, he has a whole bit about like hitting your children <laughs> that they love. They think it's hilarious. Which and they never hit me, but they they think <laughs> this, that this is hilarious for some reason. So that's great for them. Um but yeah so they like like that was the first like kind of stand-up comedy I remember watching the first like time I became aware of like comedy is like a thing. And of course he's also Indian so I was like oh nice mm. like let's go one of us. Um <laughs> so yeah that, that was my first kind of introduction. Honestly like surprisingly a lot of Like I remember also, like, you know, Lily Singh. Um, and she used to be on on YouTube and her thing was like Superwoman or whatever. And I remember watching her skits and like it was like how girls get ready versus how guys get ready. That's that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's so
0: true. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting, you might be one of the first like you might be one of the youngest people I've talked to Mm. where you have grown up. I'm not gonna say almost entirely, but where the 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 YouTube model. Yeah, has been so pervasive in your life versus the television model. So like, yeah, yeah people like Lily Singh, she she was, she had gotten the um the what oh what time is it on like the
1: the, late, the late, show late, after late, late show. Seth Meyers yeah yeah
0: and I feel like on one hand I feel like that's a death spot because as long as you do with you know whatever it's fine but like she was an in interesting choice for it and i rooted for her survival but like i i wondered how that transition from being a youtube person to doing having to do 200 shows a year yeah was gonna go
1: yeah and i think they film they film a lot more like content than people ever see so it's like they 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 do a lot and it it's a it's a late slot so it's it's not going to be the most popular but i don't know i think like even with her monologue and stuff like she's very used to doing things like to a camera and so I think it comes across a lot differently like in front of a live audience and doing it on tv and stuff so I don't know like I like her show was fine I didn't really watch it but yeah like she was like before she was really like famous and she was just like at her parents house in Scarborough Ontario like that that's when I I got like in like 2012 when I you know first experienced YouTube for the first time I was like wow this is this is pure comedy she's Mm -hmm. right men and women do have differences.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a very much an interesting thing of like, you know, back in when I was a kid and ugh, like I'm I'm probably like 15 years older than you are, like that whole idea like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, like and those sitcom tropes just got updated 15 years later to the YouTube yeah. world where it is Lily Singh with like the barest of minimum of costume changes to per- portray a man or a woman. Yeah, where today on TikTok it's just putting the person's name on across their chest, like to portray whatever role you're doing. Like, yeah, it's so wild to me now.
1: I know it's 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 undergone like it's the same stuff, just like different forms. Like it, it's it's undergone a, a total visual like media transformation, but it's the, it's the same content. Like when you really look at it,
0: and and it's also like, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it, it feels almost lazy. To be like, to to I, I I mistakenly signed up for TikTok a couple months ago, like f- f- six oh weeks boy, ago. I like I'm not even gonna say that long ago. Yeah. And I just like I scroll through it, and it's just constantly like, what's the point of any of this? Mm-hmm. Like like people doing the same like weird dance thing, or like the oh, I hate TikTok so much, but I spent my <laughs> way too much time on it. Yeah. It's, well, oh. I think
1: also like that's like it, it's a very unique app or, or platform just because of like how tailored you can make it to yourself and your interests because like they get so like when you watch a YouTube video that's like on average five minutes that's one data point that YouTube gets from you mm-hmm. whereas like TikTok is getting like like 10 per second of like you swiping or whatever like several per minute so they have so much more data on you as to what you like. So the longer you spend on the app, like the, the more the, the the media it shows you becomes tailored to your interests. So like me having been on TikTok for two years now, like I see some funny stuff on that app. I will say like there, there there's some there's some really creative and like really well done um comedy on that app. And there's yeah. a lot of like like innovate like innovation going on that's just not it's not like popular. It's not like the Charlie D'Amelio TikTok dances or whatever. So like there's a lot of there's a lot wrong with TikTok, but it also like. It's not just the like guy falls over kind of. Comedy, I guess. Like, there's some funny stuff also on there.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I think I think I'm still in the the problem area of like I haven't followed enough of the stuff that I want to see. Yeah. To create my, algorithm, or I'm just seeing just pure randomness. Like,
1: yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah, seeing
0: yeah. like rescued puppy, which is that's fine. I'm okay with rescued puppies thrifting videos of people going to thrift stores and mean like
1: oh i get so many of those
0: like which on some hand i understand but then i get angry i'm like why is someone selling this and buying this for twenty dollars like yeah but and like the thirst traps there's so many thirst traps that
1: my favorite is the is the sheehan hauls where they're like they go on that that the like it's like the just the bottom of the barrel fast fashion like six dollars a shirt made in sweatshops website um like openly admitting to using child labor or whatever horrible human rights record but they they're like oh 700 sheet in the hall and it's like a thousand items of clothing they just bought on a saturday and it's like awesome cool
0: i'm i'm so happy i've never seen any of those like
1: yeah those are those are insane like those are at this point like they must be satirical because it's just there's no other way like it's insane
0: okay so um russell peters lily Singh. Where do you get to the point of thinking, hey, let's try this? Let's do you like you? Okay, so you mentioned that a lot of the people that audition for Bring Your Own Juice are basically theater kids coming mm-hmm. to do something. Were you a theater yeah. kid?
1: Oh, God, not you asking me to out myself on the internet.
0: Theater yes. kid, yay! Yeah,
1: yeah, I was a
0: theater which kid. is fun. Like, I everyone, was, yeah, again, I, I mentioned to you before we record that I'm gonna be slightly like have a bit of animosity and jealousy that you have a college sketch group looking back at my life in high school, I wish I was a theater kid. I wish I did do it yeah. knowing how much comedy would be a part of my life later on. But like, yeah. again, I didn't have the guts to do it. I didn't like, I thought that doing a musical would be hard. So I was like, no. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. I think like honestly a big part of it is just being at that age of like 13. Um, and like, I was so annoying that I, and I had no filter. <laughs> and I just like, I I just wasn't self-conscious yet. Like self-conscious came like a year later and then that, you know, that was debilitating. But at that initial point where I got interested in like theater and stuff, like I just, just had no sense of how irritating I was being. So I was like, yeah, let's do everything. Like let's, (laughs) let's be on stage. Cool. People would love to hear me talk. Why wouldn't they? Um, so yeah. Like, and I, I, I remember I was looking for, um, for debate club in my first year of high school it was like 13 I was wandering right after school looking for debate club and I walked into the auditorium by mistake and they were doing improv and and I ended up joining improv and like that in high school was like the first time where I was like oh this is kind of fun I kind of might like doing this more than I like anything else.
0: Okay so you're another one of these high Canadian high schoolers that do improv like yes I
1: we have a very vibrant. Honestly, we have a very vibrant high school improv scene in Canada, which is. I nice. know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's a recurring t- trend of like of if I link up all the different Canadians I've talked to over my time doing this podcast, I'd say seventy percent did yeah. high school improv, where I don't think that's a thing in America nearly no. as much.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't. Granted, I, I, I haven't been in
0: high school in twenty years, but.
1: Yeah. No, I. I even I. almost everyone I know who is in, like, who goes to my university who, like, quote, does comedy or whatever, um, they started by doing improv, um, I think, I think there's just this one guy who started, like, we have, like, the Canadian Improv Games, which is, um, yeah, it's, like, a, it's, like, a national competition, so, like, I think that aspect of it, like, the, it's, like, it's theater sports, and I think, like, that, because of that, that's really appealing to high school students, like, to do comedy in like a, like a competition sort of, um, setting. So I, I guess like that is why it took off so well, but like, if like, I don't know, I, I met so many people in high school through improv. I met so many people after high school who did improv and who I was like, oh my God, I must've like, I must've run into it at some point because like, <laughs> we were at this competition in Ottawa together. We went to nationals in Ottawa or whatever. And so, um, yeah, like th- there's just like i don't know why it took off or under what circumstances but for some reason everyone everyone in canada is doing improv <laughs>
0: well like yeah because even i mean thinking back to what i know about improv here in america like the big thing that like really sparked at least that that comedy sports version of improv was whose lines it anyway
1: mm-hmm. and half yeah. that
0: cast is canadian so like
1: yeah I, I truly couldn't tell you. I mean, I guess like we ha- I mean we have Second City Toronto, but um and that's been around since like I don't know 1975 or something like that, and like launched like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy mm-hmm. and stuff. But I don't know. I mean, I I truly it, honestly like thinking about it now. It's something I've ever thought about. it. Like it is weird just how much improv is like a really big thing in Canada, and like given how much of our culture we import from America, it's random that it's not the same kind of like exact
0: thing there and who knows maybe I haven't talked to an American high schooler in forever so maybe like improv has started taking hold in high school things like I knew that like I mean you mentioned that you were trying to go to the debate club and you stumbled into the improv I know that there was like more oratory skills within that like debate setting where like you were doing like monologues or performances kind of thing but not improv like not the improv games not that kind of stuff like it was wild
1: yeah, but I mean, it was it was great. Like that truly was like the first time. That was the first time people ever told me I was funny, and I was like, "Okay, word." Um, And like just being around people who also were really into the same stuff that I was into, and like weren't also self conscious about it, and were okay, like being the weird kid who did improv or whatever. Because it still it wasn't like cool. You weren't cool if you did improv. Oh, I can't imagine. You were. being so widespread. No, 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 no. God, <laughs> no. Like to this day, it's probably one of the most embarrassing things about me. So, I mean, there's a
0: list of people that you know.
1: It's yeah, and that's the thing is that like I I I truly love doing improv, and it is so cringy. Like it is just so embarrassing. <laughs> like I hate like, I I love it with my whole heart, and that's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing.
0: <laughs> um. Okay. So as a as a theater kid in high school, were there any specific roles that like you were like that you were especially proud of, or any like favorite spots? That you had oh, I was always the comedic relief I was the comedic
1: relief in every every show there was one I auditioned this my last year of high school and I had given like I had given my life and soul to the drama department of this high school I had I was in everything I did backstage work I was the drama captain like I I was I was running the whole drama program at this high school and I auditioned for the lead role in pride and prejudice and I was like I got this in the bag like oh <laughs> she's like sassy She's like a witty, like introvert girl, easy money. That's me. Um, Didn't get it. Instead, me and the only other Indian girl who auditioned got cast as Mr. and Mrs. Bennett.
0: Um,
1: And so these are just like, I I don't know how well, you know, Pride and Prejudice, but they're just- I
0: don't know very well. I'm assuming they're the parents.
1: They're the parents. Yeah, exactly. And so the mom is like this crazy, like trying to get her kids married off. And then the dad is like her, her like, you know reeler in or whatever and so I was the dad um and which is funny because I'm a girl so it's hilarious (laughs) when you go on stage and it's a girl playing a man. um that's comedy anyway so that that was my my big breakout role in um high school theater and I I did like backstage stuff the rest of the time and I was in some like one-act plays and stuff but that was the I was like I'm gonna do a school play this year because like I think I can get the lead role no no no. Okay. Lower. So you
0: didn't perform as much throughout the high school time as you were behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Like, I was like pretty busy with improv. Oh
0: God. Right. Okay. Myself. So I'm literally so improv myself. took over more. Okay.
1: Yeah, gotcha, exactly. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. Yeah, right. So, because if you're doing competitive improv, you don't have time for.
1: No, that's going to be the lead in, the,
0: in Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I'm not singing songs in company. And then on the weekends going to my, my improv practice. There's like oh this is this um like John Mulaney bit or whatever classic I know but um the, he's like oh um he's talking about how he got his emails got subpoenaed to to a court case or something and he was like oh we should kill that guy anyway see you at improv practice and then he's like the most embarrassing part of that is the fact that I was going to improv practice and I was like that nothing has ever resonated with me quite so hard in my life
0: oh goodness yeah, yeah. um and but the, so the improv that you're doing because I'm going to linger on this uh mm-hmm. was it all games or were you actually starting to do like the Herald and like more long form stuff
1: no so I didn't um oh my god so was, it was like, all sitting, games it was all games this is about to get a lot worse though <laughs> so I actually went to uh improv camp like sleep away improv camp yeah yeah let that sink in for a second just let it percolate in your mind yeah so that's the first time I ever encountered any kind of long form um and that was like in I want to say like grade 11 or something that's the first time I went to that camp um
0: wait hold on yeah You said first time I went to that camp which implies you did this multiple times oh no oh
1: no 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 four years in a row I was like a junior counselor like I did the whole shebang I I oh man oh we had songs we we had like we had all oh man okay I didn't even want to
0: I'm I'm only leaning into it because you are embarrassed about it but like it's totally normal like um yeah it it's pretty fantastic Uh, Yeah, and I met
1: so many people that I still know, and I'm very good friends with that camp, so I mean.
0: and But that's the positive aspect of it, is you're meeting your people, you're meeting people that love the same thing you do, making those connections and, you know, lifelong friendships, whatever. Like, I worked at a camp, I worked, okay, so if you want to go to my more embarrassing side, I worked at a Christian camp in my college years. And there was a week of Broadway camp where they put on a show at the end of the week and it's okay and part of my job as working in the camp was to, to film it for them, because that was the big thing it was like we get our show and we and we can watch it forever you know like the thing that like high school kids do like
1: yeah yeah
0: so i mean granted they were doing like weird christian like they're not they're longer than one acts but not like a full long length show
1: okay okay, okay but okay. like so they weren't they weren't up there doing like Chicago. No, no okay. they were doing got like it.
0: they were doing like Daniel in the Lions Den or something. But like
1: okay, yeah, I got it. Um,
0: but they took it seriously, and like this group of uh, twenty campers or whatever formed like this lifelong like friendship with each other. Like, yeah. it, and it on, on one hand, it's wonderful. I'm sure if I showed video to some of them now, if I could hunt them down, they would be rather embarrassed like yeah well, that's part of being a teenager you're embarrassed about everything you mm-hmm. did like so it's fine yeah
1: exactly anyway yeah so so that like god anyway so <laughs> um yeah so we did like it It was the format of of cig is kind of weird like they make you do four events so there's like character story um oh god um theme and then, like the life event, which is just like a true to earth, like a down to earth, like true to life kind of like mm-hmm. scene or whatever. And they all have different rules, and you get scored, and then you get scored in your overall um, like performance. So it, it was very like conducive to not like, I, oh God, I hate to say this, like quote, real improv. Like it, it wasn't like there's a, a certain element of it where you practice the format that you're gonna do, and then like kind of just plug in your suggestion. And then you do it. Um, But it it, it gave me the building blocks pretty well. It's like how to set up a scene, not just an improv, but like how to write um, like a a scene that's going to be funny. Cause like you need like the the writing action, the characters, like they're in a situation, they know each other, et cetera, et cetera. So like, in that sense, it it teaches you how to write a story pretty well. Um, My guess that was like the particular form of improv that I had done for so many years. And then I went about the Herald or whatever. And then when I got to um, doing like, College improv—that's when we like leaned into long form a lot more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about bring your own juice. How's like? So, I'm assuming, and again, this is all assumptions. Like, at some point, like in the first day or first week of being there, there's those like activity booths set up for all the first year students to come and be like, "Hey, this is what you could do when you're not studying and getting drunk. Like, this is how, or this is how we're going to try to keep you from not getting drunk." yeah exactly exactly so is that like you know that first week is do you hone in on the sketch team
1: yeah pretty much so like um
0: did you know that sketching was a thing when you decided to go to mcgill like
1: yeah so i i um one of the girls that I had met at improv camp okay. uh, was starting at McGill. And so I I was like a year or two behind her or something. And like, since then, like we, we did all this stuff together throughout college. Like she's graduated and like we're still pretty good friends. Um, but I was like, I was like grilling her about it. I was, you know, <laughs> taking her to the third degree. I was like, what kind of activity are there to do at McGill? Like what kind of comedy can you do? And she was like, I'm in an improv group. I'm in this like, um, uh, I, I help run this like satire magazine. I'm I'm in a sketch comedy group. And I was like, awesome. And like, honestly, I hate to say it, but 90% of the reason I came to McGill's because I was like, there's all this comedy there. And like, I already know someone who does it there. So, you know, may as well. Um, well and, and to and be so, fair to
0: that, like, I, I know Breaking Your Juice has started relatively recently, like within the like, last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. But I know the names of three comedy, I mean, uh, three Canadian universities. And it's because of comedians that have been there, like McGill McMaster. Yeah. And I think there's another one in Ontario, but like, Mm -hmm. because I know Martin Short went here versus there. Like I think Martin Short's McGill and Mm -hmm. like the Eugene Levy's are McMasters. Like, yeah, they're the only Canadian like schools I know of
1: Yeah, because of my love
0: of comedians. Like, so it doesn't surprise me that there's that much comedy and I'm sure there's comedy on all college campuses now. And I just missed out, but so yeah. Day one, yeah. week one, you know you're getting, you're going for comedy at McGill. Yeah.
1: So I, I basically showed up and I was like texting her, I was like, Where are you guys? And I'm sure like she was so annoyed. Like <laughs> she was just like, Why won't this first year, 18 year old, like freshly minted child leave me alone? um And I was like, Where are you guys? Like I want to come see you in the booth. And so I went and I like put my name down. I was like, I'll see you at auditions. And then I went to auditions and the rest is history.
0: And you got in do you yes. so do you know um like the particular history of bring your own juice at mcgill like how to get started how how it um went?
1: so i know it started in 2013 um and like i think the farthest back i would know people is people who graduated in 2018 or no, people graduated in 2017 because they came back to watch later shows and stuff. So mm-hmm. like, I, I know of them, but anything before that, like I, I have no concept of how it started and stuff. I think they just like, there was no, there's, to this day, like before the only sketch comedy group on campus. So they were like, yeah. um, we need one. So they just started one. I think like a lot of people who have done Bring Your Own Juice are in like Chicago or in New York or in LA now. And they're doing, they're still working on comedy stuff. Um, and like, I am, I'm graduating like, pretty pretty soon so uh, they just like they add you into a BYOJ alumni group on facebook and then you know there's a lot of people who are doing comedy still who started out doing bring your own juice so that's cool like there's a whole network of people who are kind of spread out and who are still doing comedy and like you kind of get access to that by having done comedy like in the group that they started so that that's really cool but yeah like that i think that's that's just kind of what how it started
0: what was the thing? like i mean and that's kind of the same thing of You know, you had your friend that you met at improv camp who had already gone to college. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to latch on and be like, hey, you know this thing I want to do. Help me into this thing that I want to do. Like,
1: Yeah, exactly. And and, so much of, like, comedy and entertainment is just, like, knowing a person who did mm -hmm. it for you. So, like, that, but honestly, like, has been really nice. Not in just, like, having a, like, just, like, having a friend who's there and who's also, like, yeah, it's not insane of you to want to also do this.
0: Yeah absolutely yeah again the whole finding your own people kind of thing like
1: yeah
0: uh so with like montreal sketch fest coming up and bring your own juice being a college team i think you might be the only college team that's performing
1: i think we are yeah at
0: that sketch at M- montreal sketch fest um do have you performed much off campus never <laughs> so this is okay the group
1: has the group never like i've i performed off campus right, okay. i've been in a few like off-campus shows and stuff but this is the first um time the group at least as, as i've known it will be venturing off campus and we've it's, done we've done sketch fest before like the group has but not since not um, this
0: iteration yeah not as we people. currently
1: are yeah exactly yeah
0: um it's it, yeah because it's very interesting of like do you, do you feel the, like, the idea that Bring Your Own Juice almost writes to, like, that target audience of your college classmates versus, like,
1: yeah, we actually, like, so we're, we, our show each semester has about 15 or 16 sketches in it, um, yeah, and lasts, like, about uh, around two hours, like, including the intermission or whatever, so we have to pare it down a lot, like, we just pick our top sketches um, to do for, for Sketch Fest, um, but part of that, like, we did, like, a we had to sit down and like decide which ones we were going to do. And part of that was knowing which um, sketches were going to do well with a college audience versus like a much broader audience. And also like, I think like there's going to be, I I don't know this for sure, but I, I imagine a lot of people are going to be Francophone in the audience and like understand English, but not like, like we have a lot of like pun based sketches mm-hmm. that are very much like you have to have a, a, you have to know English like really, really well in order to get the sketch. Like, so there's level of that. And also just like, we have a whole sketch about where we just play ourselves and like yell at each other. And so we're like, obviously we can't do that one because we were relying on people knowing us or like that, knowing. That's, that's really funny. Cause yeah. I,
0: uh, um, I, I did a show in, in Boston a couple of years ago and I was basically opening for a college troupe. Okay. and yeah. a lot of their stuff was very self-referential like yeah. about each other. And I, like, there, there weren't that many people in the audience, but I was like, "Am I supposed to know that this?" Yeah, that like if you don't like... get the
1: reference, it's not funny. <laughs> like if you're not like, "Oh my god, that's funny," because he's dating her. Like it's not right. gonna make any
0: sense. Right. And exactly. we had a
1: whole, yeah, we have a whole sketch where, um, like the punchline is just that it's this this couple who are in the the group and they like are like like not it's not the whole punchline, but one of the jokes is that like in the sketch he's supposed to be gay. And it's like, oh, that's funny because you know them and you know they're dating. And mm-hmm. she's like not interested in him because she thinks that he's gay. And he's like, I'm not gay. I'm secretly in love with her. But anyway, so that's that's like the punchline of the sketch. And it's funny in particular because you know for a lot of people who are watching it know them and like know that they're together. So like we have to kind of take that one out of the running and like other stuff like that where it's like reliant on the fact that you know the people in the group. And like we have to sort of rely more on the fact that it's just funny on its own.
0: You brought up something that I don't think I've ever talked about or because you might be one of the first people I've talked to from the, Mon- from the Montreal area and or mm-hmm. go back in general about the idea of writing Anglophone versus Francophone and for those different audiences. Is that something that you actively consider? Or is it just um, more now that you're going into the sketch fest thing? They're like, oh, this might be a problem that we have to deal with.
1: Yeah, I think like by like I think theater Saint Catherine where it's being held is like mostly an English theater, and I, like I know it's sponsored by JFL, and JFL is all pretty much English. So like the the comedy scene in Montreal in particular, I don't know about the rest of Quebec, is is pretty Anglophone. So I've never really had to consider it that much, but yeah. it's just that um, like in general, I before coming to Montreal, I had never had to consider that like there's a joke someone might not get in the audience because they don't. Like their English isn't great, which like I had never had to consider before. Like I'm from Vancouver, so everyone there is is English. English. So, um, yeah, and like my my French is terrible, but I even have a friend who who's done a couple shows that are like bilingual shows. So you like it's half in English and half in French, and his French is not very good either. So he's like, I kind of just stand in the back when the French is happening, and then like not along, and then I come in with my whole English bit. So Mm -hmm. like it it's more. It, it's not a non-existent thing that you have to worry about but it's not like like it doesn't you it's not usually pressing like i wouldn't usually write a sketch differently because i think it's going to be a francophone audience because that hasn't happened for me really in the past
0: because i'm, I'm trying to remember there was like a, a youtube video i had seen where it was like i forget what movie they were talking about there was like all the jokes in this particular thing that you miss if you're not English speaker like if you don't know like the idioms and stuff yeah and I was like I don't yeah I I, I don't really think about that like the stuff that gets lost in translation that kind of way yeah yeah you just mentioned that you you're from Vancouver Mm
1: -hmm. which is
0: one of those cities that I think has a reputation here in America of like a lot of our like there's so many productions that move to Vancouver because oh yeah Hollywood North yeah like all those CW shows was that something yeah. that like that you were aware of growing up like
1: yeah i mean i have i've been just like i've been an extra in a lot of shows and stuff like, when i was a kid yeah just like just randomly because stuff's was always shooting and they have like they'll have like at a community center like seeking extras or whatever and you just pick that up and you go to set for a day and they pay you like a hundred dollars and then you're like word cool and you get free lunch so th- that's great <laughs>
0: um is there anything specific that like if we weren't went looking for you, we could like see you in a shot. Like,
1: oh, I highly doubt it. I, I I don't think so. There's like I I think I have a pretty I, think I I'm on camera in a show that is now off air, mm-hmm. but it was called Emily Owens MD, and it had like
0: okay. um, I, I, that sounds had, vaguely familiar. Yeah,
1: yeah, it had a uh, Meryl Streep's daughter in it. She was the lady. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to go like that. I went. My mom was on set as well because she my mom was a uh, a doctor, so she was doing like medical consulting for the show and she's oh. like come be an extra and then you can like be a, be in the thing or whatever so um she she was like I'm like oh, I think god, like come meet Mamie who's like uh, Meryl Streep's <laughs> daughter and I had a handful of like craft craft table <laughs> like snacks and I was like shoveling them in my mouth and I was like 11 and I turn around it's Meryl Streep's daughter and I'm like hi and I like dropped the the snack and like hastily wiping my my hand on my pant leg and I'm like clammy and shaking her hand she's like great to meet you i gotta go i'm like okay bye like just so starstruck so yeah and then i think also um there was a guy uh who was in the sister of the traveling pants movies who was also on that show and my mom was like do you want to meet him and i was like (laughs) i cannot meet him i will puke all over him so yeah
0: that was that was that
1: yeah Uh, but yeah like there's there's definitely a lot of exposure like like I think uh, me and a couple of my friends went, and this one we didn't get into because like there's a huge line, but um, to be an extra on the Diary of a Wimpy Kid set, everyone wanted to be on Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Everybody wanted to be in that movie. So like we didn't end up getting to be extras in that one, but like, it, it's just like that, like like the movie industry is kind of always around you in that sense. So, or like, I don't know, uh, the guy who played Esteban in Sweet Life of Zack and Cody runs like an acting studio in Vancouver now. He's so I was like, come meet like Esteban from, I can Cody and see how you too can become an actor. So yeah, that kind of stuff is always around.
0: I have this joke that I that I need to work on and actually and actually do it, but uh, I want to do a walking tour of Toronto as Philadelphia because oh, half the yeah. movies that are supposed to be set in Philadelphia are actually shot in Toronto. Yeah, and uh, I think the most recent one was the the Chris Rock Saw movie, where oh, I, I know okay. it's shot in in Toronto. I knew it was shot up there. But all of the, uh, like, the skyline shots, like, all those established shots were all Philadelphia. And I was like, wait, what's happening here? Like,
1: like yeah, yeah, why yeah. are you
0: stealing our buildings? Like, Toronto has buildings, yeah. too. Like,
1: just, <laughs> just so shoot funny.
0: away from the CN Tower and you're okay. Like,
1: Exactly. No, but, I, yeah, like, there's, there's a couple times that I've been walking through Toronto and I, like, I look at a building and I'm like, I've seen that building in a movie. Like, yeah. I, I've seen that in, like, New York in the movies or in Vancouver. Like, I, there's. I mean, take a shot every time you see Vancouver in a movie, then you'll be blackout. Like, (laughs) I don't don't watch the
0: CW because that's all. Yeah, exactly.
1: Or like Deadpool. Deadpool, there's a shot that is just like, it's just a very, very popular bridge that like everyone's always on in Vancouver. And you look at it and you're like, you can see like the mountains in the background. (laughs) And like the the place isn't specified, but I guess supposed to be LA or whatever. And I'm like, this is not like, oh yeah, I don't know where he's
0: supposed to be like officially.
1: No, but yeah, the same, I, no I know
0: because he's from Ryan Reynolds is from Vancouver, isn't he? Like, yes, and he actually had to like apologize for like, hey, sorry, we're stealing your bridge for two weeks or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: With sketch comedy, I always ask people, um, and we we haven't really talked about like televised sketch comedy or what you were into as growing up, but like, you know, SNL Live is huge, it's been around for almost 50 years now. Do yeah. you have a favorite SNL cast member? Oh,
1: like current or like ever? Um, Jason Sudeikis Jason Sudeikis and Bill Hader. Um, I like. I, I guess people always love who they grew up with, and so like that. That's just my immediate answer. Like, which I is, which is terrifying because so
0: I was in my twenties when they were on the show. So yeah, yeah,
1: you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm 21.
0: I, I, I feel like Sudeikis. I've asked this question of everyone I've talked to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Sudeikis doesn't get the love that I expect him to
1: yeah I like, and I think he's blossomed so much since leaving us now but I think like even watching his stuff back I think it's so funny like when, I think he's always had the comedic timing down the, really well
0: that first two a whole sketch with him and Kristen Wiig yeah the first time they did that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life and they're
1: just chewing gum and they have their ipod oh god it's I so funny it. and it holds up so well even though like it's it's premised like on very much like 20 2008 culture or whatever like it, it's it's held up a lot and oh it's so funny. I love
2: it.
0: it it's, yeah. Those people still exist. They're just wearing yeah. clothes now. Like
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, Sedakus is yeah, fantastic. And Bill Hader's been getting a lot of steam. And I and I feel like that's partially because of Barry and you know Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, Bill yeah. Hader's fantastic too. Like Yeah. I
1: great, great duo. Oh on uh oh Will forte, of course, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, oh god, I'm just saying white men. I need to respond <laughs> my portfolio. Uh Nasim Redrad.
0: Who okay? She should have been bigger.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I wish yeah. she stayed on us no longer. Like me
1: too. I feel
0: like she's one of the women because like the 21st century has basically been a golden age. Like has and it's not hard because before the before the on a Guest started Molly Shannon years. Women on SNL was a, a slippery, dicey thing because, yeah. but then that that you know that term after Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, like to now with Kate McKinnon, Cecily, like mm. I feel like all the women that have been cast on the show the last twenty years have been fantastic, yeah, but some of them have been very grossly underused, still like
1: yeah, even like, Melissa Villaniure right now so underused.
0: She, she gets hired with all these impressions, and she She's doesn't do anything. them. I don't I get know. it.
1: Like it's why? Would, why did you hire her? To, to bonkers do, to, do to me. Do nothing? Like, yeah, it's insane.
0: Uh, but yeah, like uh, Nassim padrade and like Abby Elliot, like yeah, Frank, Casey Wilson was on the show for two years. Like, yeah, and it's it's crazy. It's uh,
1: yeah, they don't like it's. It's a lot harder as a woman on SNL to get the same kind of. Oh, I'm sure. And like prestige after you leave the show, even while you're on the show. But like, like I mean, you can see with Bill Hader and with Jason Sudeikis as well. Like they get, you know, leading man television shows mm-hmm. a couple years later SNL. But like, it's a lot different for for women. I mean, Maya Rudolph doesn't have like she has what Big Mouth, <laughs> where she's like an animated character, and she's like she had a couple movies and stuff. But like, it's it's not the same kind of trajectory yeah. that you can expect from a male cast member leaving. Yeah, it's or, like exactly, Andy like, Samberg with Brooklyn Nine. It's
0: this weird thing where the men the men graduate out of SNL and basically become the leading man. But the women graduate out to be like, other than maybe like Tina and Amy, because they had yeah. Parks and Rec and 30 Rock. Yeah. The women graduate out to be the character actress. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Where they're
0: not going to be the lead. They're going to be like fourth or fifth on the call sheet. Like, mm-hmm. but they're still going to be the best part of the thing at the same exactly, time. Like, right.
1: Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. That That's the, yeah. And I don't know, like I, 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 I hope it, changes for people who are like I mean Heidi Gardner I, is so funny and I think she like should have an amazing career after SNL and stuff as well but it's just something like that where I'm like if you're underutilized on the show or or whatever like I, I hope they have a a redemption arc after they leave or whatever and
0: it's interesting because Vanessa Barry now has a, a, a show coming out like where she's mining her childhood cancer right um, yes so I'm curious to see how that goes like it mm-hmm. Cecily had a show. Kate McKinnon took weeks off to be Carol Baskin, which is wild. Oh like, yeah, that, on that Hulu yeah, 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 show. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, I forgot so about weird.
0: that. <laughs> um, and then I always ask about uh, Canadians because I feel like we import so much culture up to, to Canada, and a lot of the stuff. A lot of pop culture is American imports, despite the fact that the BBC, mm-hmm. the CBC has like some weird Canadian content laws. Yeah. that I feel get circumvented more than they don't. Um, is there something Canadian that you would recommend to an American audience?
1: Um,
0: and and I mean anything pop culture. Let's like, I mean, don't say yeah, Drake yeah, yeah. Cause...
1: No, no, yeah, obviously not. That's uh, obvious. Justin, but... uh, Justin Bieber, I love <laughs> Justin Bieber. No, um, I mean, I think like uh, like the popularity of Shits Creek was really cool to see because like that that was one of those CBC sitcoms mm. where it's like a Canadian requirement. Um, like it's Canadian made, it's shot in Canada, the actors are all Canadian. So like that, that was cool. But I think also like that was that was popularized because like they never specifically say they're in Canada, like it could just also be small town America. Yeah. So um there are honestly like, there's a lot of good TV recently on on CBC. Oh oh Baroness von Sketch Show. Mm -hmm. that is a really 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 funny show that does not get nearly enough love like outside of Canada even in Canada doesn't get nearly enough love but like it's just these like four or five hilarious hilarious women doing like hilarious sketches um and like they they truly don't miss like they have such funny sketches and like some of them are very Canadian like they they do a whole bit about leaving Toronto to go to Hamilton and like that that's funny if you're from Canada um but they also have a lot of like very other like applicable stuff that's just general and not like Canadian specific. Like, I don't know, like this hour has 22 minutes is like um, our like weekend update. And it's just like a 22 minute sitcom, but it's just like, sort of like SNL, but it's just things that are in the news this week.
0: Yeah, that's it's, funny. It's, but it's very, your daily show.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that's funny, but it's very Canadian centric. Yeah. Um, I think that's
0: why that has never come down. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's not like, like, if you're not Canadian, you're not. That's one of those shows. If you're not Canadian, you're not going you to need any the references.
0: Where if you so, really want the the Trudeau dirt, you have to go there. Like,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, and then like Kim's Convenience is super funny as well. And that's like they they make a point of the, like they're in Toronto. Um, and Simu Liu got launched off that show as well, which is really cool. And now he's on Marvel movies. So right, right, right. But yeah, yeah. There's think a lot of it, a lot of good stuff.
0: A lot of the stuff that I know is Canadian. Like you mentioned, how Shit's Creek doesn't really talk about being in canada like mm-hmm. that they that they could just be small town america too like there was a, a a while where like our networks down here were like co-producing shows in canada like but they were all cop shows but they would never mm-hmm. say what city yeah. they were like they were all like being shot in toronto but they would never yeah. say what city. like it would just say like metropolitan metropolitan police on their badges i'm like it's okay if they're in canada like
1: yeah just say like, like just say it's in Canada like it's not gonna like ruin are, we really, show. are we really are we really yeah.
0: worried that Americans are like oh, these Canadians are no what but yeah and it's no, also it's weird because right. I remember like when Schitt's Creek first came out like the idea that Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy were doing something like and this is such a weird like take that I had it was like why are they lowering themselves to be in a Canadian sitcom like yeah does America not want them at all anymore? And then of course Shit's Creek blows up and.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's the kind of, cause like in any Canadian TV is not going to get nearly the amount of press or like international recognition that American TV does, or even British TV. Like, I mean, you know, like Fleabag, Doctor Who, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It's all, you know, very worldwide, but um, yeah, like no, no Canadian entertainment or media has, like reach the level that that Shits Creek has and so like obviously there would be that perception of like why are you into Canada like does America not want you anymore yeah um but yeah I mean that's even like that's like hard even as a Canadian and being like if I want to do comedy or like uh, like I kind of want to write for TV and stuff like if I want to do that i probably have to go to America because like otherwise there's not that many jobs here for it and they're not going to be very popular and they to cancel for their season. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of the the rough part about being Canadian. It's probably the universal healthcare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, that might be a trade-off. I also want to say that like, I love Canada and I, and my opinion of Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy being not wanted by America to do Canadian sitcom was totally wrong because I do love yeah. Can- Canada.
1: Yeah. But, I definitely,
0: but at the same time, like Jason Priestley was like one of the biggest stars in the 90s. And yeah. 10 years ago, he was why am I saying forced to, but like he went to Canada to do Canadian TV? Like, yeah. It, it felt like a weird choice.
1: Yeah, it's where but stardom it, goes to die.
0: But at the same time, he's working, getting paid. So whatever. Yeah. Um, I ask everyone as we're wrapping up, bring your own juice, doing sketch with them. You mentioned, are you still doing college improv? Are you still doing like,
1: yep yep Southern College of Improv um I've got I've got a segment on our our student radio um like yeah I, I just kind of like while being here I'm kind of afforded the ability to like dip my toes into as many aspects of like media and performance as I can so I'm kind of like just leaning into that um but yeah like that's that's sort of what I've been doing, I, I ran the the satire magazine for a while as well, but that fizzled out during COVID, and we haven't read really anything in weeks, so or months, I mean. So I that's mean. It,
0: that's interesting to me because I feel like I feel like the satire magazine would have been like the best thing for like during COVID, like
1: yeah, the- I think just like everything fizzled out, and everyone like our entire staff was scattered to the winds, like everyone had gone home and stuff, and so like and we weren't really used to Zoom meetings yet, right mm. at the beginning of the pandemic, so yeah. we, d- we didn't really know how to communicate with each other. And we were used to having like like daily or weekly meetings and stuff, so it just like it it definitely would have been the thing that was best prepared to deal with the pandemic. But like, just throw a PDF
0: out there and like
1: exactly, yeah. But I think everyone was just like so frazzled or like disoriented to being. Oh, comedy
0: died for
1: yeah. Well, UCB shut down a long time. Yeah, exactly. So
0: yeah, I mean, here in Philadelphia, comedy is like on life support. because everything shut down after covid so but yeah so as we're wrapping up uh i always ask this uh, my attempt to be a little deeper at the end of it uh you mentioned you know being an improv kid being a drama kid in high school going to mcgill specifically because you knew that there was comedy involved why comedy why have you decided that comedy is going to be what you want to do with your life
1: yeah I mean great question um my parents want to know too so um <laughs> but that's I just don't a know.
0: pragmatic like the, in them so
1: yeah no I know I get it and like, like they've they've come around a lot I think also just because like television and comedy is a lot more accessible now than it ever was before so like explaining that to them has been easier but anyway so back to the question um yeah like I think like I was saying earlier like I could go ahead and I could be a therapist and it would be fine. I'd probably have a fine life and I would like enjoy myself and it would be lovely and I'd be an, an okay therapist, but like I just think I would feel unfulfilled. Mm. If I didn't like like there the, it sounds like it's it's cheesy and it, it sounds like very very cliche to say it, but there's just nothing else I'd rather do. Like there's nothing else that I think I'm better at or that I think I'd rather do or that I have more fun doing. So like in short, it's just because like I, I think I I want to enjoy my career as much as possible. And if I'm going to do that, it's going to have to be this because there's nothing else I like more.
0: And then, okay, so, and we really should talk to this a bit earlier, but like as we joked before we, you know, start really recording the interview portion about like how your sketch is too long and how much it would have changed now that you've learned. Yeah. Uh, so in the time of, I, wow, I, I I usually, I flip the questions again. That's weird. I usually do it the other way around. Um, what's something that you've learned in your time of doing sketch comedy, you know, and your whole experience of doing improv that you would pass on to a new writer? I mean, you mentioned that you're one of the leaders of the of Bring Your Own Juice now, like, um, and I'm sure you have you know first year students coming in. What's something that you like pass on and be like, hey, this is advice I've learned. Take it, with if you will.
1: Yeah. Um. Like I think broadly speaking, just like doing stuff like for yourself, I guess. Like if you're like, I want to do a care like if I I want to see a character that does this, or like I think I'd be good at at doing this character, just like write yourself that character and then just do it. And like the work, like put if if you don't, if you're not in a group or something, like put it on YouTube or like put it on TikTok or whatever. There's there's so much like potential, I guess, for for like making stuff happen for yourself, I guess, like in, in this day and age, especially with like, technology that, like that, that people are just finding barriers to because they're like, I don't know, scared to put this stuff out there or whatever. It like, there's no harm in it. If you just like, if you want to see something or you think something would be funny, or you think you'd be good at something, you can write it for yourself. You're allowed. So, I mean, like that's even like, it goes along with, with, stuff like Barry like Ted Lasso like um all like like 30 Rock like these people all wrote a character they know they'd be really good at playing and then they just played it so like Hmm. if you could do that on a smaller scale like in your sketch comedy group or on YouTube then why not like because if you think there's a character that no one is better suited for than you then you're probably right and you may as well do it because it's probably gonna be really funny so
0: yeah. All those barriers have broken down. Like, they're, you know, gone are the days where like you have to get onto the night show to make it big. Like yeah. you could film a TikTok in your bedroom and hundreds of thousands of people could see it. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how the algorithm makes that happen, but like Maybe. it could,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it could exactly. become one of
0: those suggested videos on like those suggested reels on Instagram or on Facebook that constantly pop out. I'm tired of. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. That could be you. You
1: could be the next <laughs> Lele Pons. <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, Annika.
1: Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Like I mentioned before, Annika and Bring Your Own Juice will perform at Montreal Sketchfest's opening night with Third Husbands, Cheap Wine, Dreamboat, and Milwaukee on Thursday, May 5th at 8 p.m at Theater St. Catherine. Tickets and all the other information are available at MontrealSketchFest.com. You can find out more about Bring Your Own Juice at Facebook.com slash Bring Your Own Juice. My First Sketch is a Philly SketchFest production. You can find out more information at PhillySketchFest.com. Follow Philly SketchFest on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at Nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts this is josh Hyam. thanks for listening go see some comedy
2: hey i'm aj schrader and i believe everyone has a story worth telling and also that I should potentially profit off of their stories. That's why I started the podcast I Wrote to a Pilot, where each episode I talk to a not yet famous person about their television interest, and then make them read a television pilot I hastily wrote for them with the hopes of catching the eyes of the president of television. It's available on most major podcast platforms, or you can find out more directly at I Wrote to a pilot. dot com. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peel, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Where there's lightning, there's thunder. Where there's trouble, there's donder. Meet Donder. I'm Donder,
0: A.K.A. Jeff. Maybe we can work together someday. That
2: would be a dream come true.
0: Jeff wants to be a superhero. You got a pen?
2: Uh, uh, yeah, in my fanny pack. But
0: he's not very super. Yo. <laughs> He has one chance to prove himself.
2: My name is Candace, I'm with the Nondescript. That's the biggest super agency in the city. But
0: will that be enough?
2: What if I'm not very good at picking teammates? Here's the plan. I punch him! Then I punch him! I'll pull off his penis and punch punch. him in the balls with it!
0: When we put so much into becoming someone we never become, we forget one important thing. I've been chasing one thing for so long,
2: I, I don't even know who I am without it.
0: We never stop becoming. Listen to Tights on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher.